Hi, friends. I'm Stephanie Leedy, Director of Children's and Family Ministries at Stonebridge Community Church, and this is Stonebridge Parents. The Stonebridge Parents podcast is dedicated to having real, honest conversations with members of our community. Each week, we will talk with a special guest about a variety of parenting topics, including entitlement, special needs, and mom guilt. We have some amazing episodes, moments, and parenting game changers for you to hear. Welcome to Stonebridge Parents. Hello, friends. Today I'm here with Pastor John Sauer, our senior pastor at Stonebridge Community Church. Welcome, Pastor John. Excited to have you here. Hi. Excited to be here. All right. Well, you've been at Stonebridge for a little over six months now. Uh, What do you love about Stonebridge and this community? So far, the people have been what really stands out to me. Um, just the people that I've gotten to know, how welcoming they've been. Uh, also, and I'm not just saying that because we're here talking with you, but the staff. Um, it's been fun interacting with the staff and coming in as a senior pastor. And this was my first senior pastor call. You just worry if that's going to be f- fun or um, challenging. And it's just been uh, challenging in good ways and fun in good ways as well. And I've really enjoyed it. That's awesome. And we've enjoyed Simi Valley too. And we're both Southern Californians, so it's nice to be back in Southern California also. So tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, my family consists of myself, my wife, Emily, and our one-and-a-half-year-old son, J.D. And then also our two cats, Katamira Putin and Angela Ferkel. (laughs) Very clever names for your cats. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Geopolitical cat world peace runs through our house. All right. Love it. Um, all right. So you became a father a year and a half ago. What has been the most unexpected part for you? The thing that I did not expect that people tell you about, but you don't know until you feel it is the sleep deprivation in the first year. Yeah. So our son, everybody tells you, oh, just sleep when they sleep. Just sleep when they sleep. Well, our son didn't sleep unless he was being held by one of us for the first about month and a half. Mm-hmm. So we just didn't sleep. <laughs> we, we took turns. Um, I'd be up for two hours. Emily would be up for two hours. Finally, we got some grandparents who came in and, and helped. But everybody tells you you're going to be sleep deprived, but you don't know what that feels like until about you know two weeks into only sleeping an hour or two for right. a night. That was one thing that was unexpected. Um, and then the other one is just the cliché. You just don't expect how much you're going to love your child. Mm-hmm. Um, people Again, people tell you it, but you just don't know what it feels like until you actually see him or her in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that was unexpected to me, but I feel like I should have expected, was how much this deepened Emily and mine's marriage. Parenting together has been a fun journey, and there's challenges, and we get frustrated with each other, but we work through it. And it's uh, really deepened our relationship, too. That's wonderful. So, oh, that's yeah. so nice to hear. Um, what do you think has been your proudest parenting moment so far? My proudest parenting moment was a span of about two weeks. So JD loves trash trucks. And every Friday is trash truck day. And I've, I felt a little... I feel sometimes a little insecure about, is he going to like me? And is he going to want to spend time with me? And is he going to like the things that I get him? And I bought him a trash truck toy and a trash truck book. And it just made me so happy that 
for the next two weeks, the only book he wanted to read was that trash truck book. And he kept bringing it to me, and then he wanted to play with the trash truck toy. And it was just one of those moments where it felt like, you know, we were we were on the same page. Right. And we had a thing. Now he's obviously moved on from trash trucks. Um, we, he now just likes to go inside one of our cars and play inside the car with me. Oh, yeah, so, that's fun. We do yeah. that at our house, too. Carplay, yes. carplay, mm-hmm. carplay, 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 <laughs> over and over again now. Um, so so that's one. But then another, another proud moment is those times when, like, we have a game that I just call boom, and all it is is I say boom and throw them up in the air. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just when he walks up to me and he starts saying boom, 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 and we have, like, a thing between us. Those kinds of moments are my proudest moments. I love that. That connection that you exactly. feel with your kid and being able to provide what they want and provide them joy in some exactly. way. Yeah. Exactly. I love so. that. We went through a trash truck phase at our house, too. I would like – our trash day is Fridays. And um, in the mornings, I would take Tommy outside to watch it come. Well, it comes at 7 a.m. So I was <laughs> regularly in my jammies. And yeah. one day, he went bolting down the street after the trash truck didn't listen to the stops and i was full pajamas running down the street after the trash truck neighbors got a show that morning yeah we had one where jd uh, napped through the trash truck oh, for no. the, the first one so then the second one i was barefoot pushing his stroller a couple blocks over as fast as i could before the trash truck left our neighborhood oh. and he's just sitting there going trash truck trash truck trash right. truck, trash truck. So, oh, so his, fun. His, his first non-mommy and daddy word was trash truck. I love that. So. Oh, my gosh. The obsession is real. Yeah. Or was. Yeah. It, I did not care about trash trucks. Sure. But it became the event of the week for, for all of us. Yeah. So I think God works on us that way, too. That Yeah, the, just the, the changes inside of me where it's not a chore to go find the trash truck. Um, is there anything you said that you would never do before having a kid that has gone out the window? One thing that we said was we didn't, however much we love JD, however much we care about him, we didn't want him to become the center of everything in our lives because that's just too much pressure for our kid. Mm-hmm. It's not healthy for us and that we always wanted to make sure that we had regular date nights and that we left him with other people early on and got him comfortable with that. Then COVID-19 hit. Right. And we were locked up at home, just the two, just the three of us. <laughs> So we he he became the center of things. Sure. Um, what else are we going to do? We couldn't go out on date nights. We couldn't have people come over and watch right. him. We were on lockdown. Oh. Uh, so you get a pass. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> but that was definitely one that we said we were going to do, and we were we were pretty worried. Is he going to be okay with other people? Can we leave him, or is he going to be really attached to us? I mean, we, none of mm-hmm. us knows how kids are going to be affected by this whole pandemic, but. Just last week, we were, we were on vacation, and we took him to Tahoe, and he met a bunch of family. And now Emily and I are a little worried because we're like, he was t- too fine without us. <laughs> he was very social. <laughs> he was social. He got along with everyone. We left him with people. He didn't even ask for us until we got back. That's um, wonderful, though. He I know felt it's, safe. He I know felt... it's good, but yeah. the like insecure parent part of me is like, oh, my gosh, we might as well just graduate high school already. Oh, like, <laughs> no. <laughs> so... <laughs> so well, I, I'm deep down. I'm deep down. I'm happy. Sure. But, yeah. but a little bit, it hurts a little bit that they're just yeah. totally fine with it. It's just an adjusting of expectations. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, exactly. I'm glad that he's so well adjusted and that he gets along with other people. That's awesome. That was a big worry of ours with this pandemic. Yeah. So I think that that's the, that's the main thing. I coming into parenting, I was, I, I think I was older than the average first time parent. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 30, 36 when JD was born. So 
I just learned from friends, just don't hold your expectations loosely. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't have a lot of like, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that. Um, I just kind of try to move along with it as it, as it goes along. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's an important lesson for parents in being flexible and adjusting. I think parents do do a really good job of adjusting. Yeah. Something's not working and we, we make we make a, a fix there. We we edit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they change, um, especially in the first year. You get you get used to something, and then immediately they change it up on you. That's what I remember being really shocked at with my first. Is okay. We're gonna get on a schedule. I was really big on schedules, and um, we'd we'd get the hang of things, and then he would change things up on me. And, yeah, and. And you just kind of see the personalities coming out and, yeah, you have to respond to that. And I think the the main thing that I have said that I still stick to, and we'll see in a few years if I hold to this or not or if I throw it out the window, I really don't want JD to have too much pressure when it comes to sports. Yeah. If he wants to play sports, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I I personally just look around at youth sports these days and – the ways it can take over people's families and kids' childhoods. And I want him to be a child mm-hmm. and to enjoy that and to, to actually play. And I don't want sport, which is supposed to be playing, to become more than that. Yeah. So we'll see, though. Um, my, my wife, Emily, was a very committed athlete. She, she agrees with me on that, though. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised. If he gets my determination with her athletic skill, then he might take sports he might take them more seriously than we do. Right, so. right. You never know. Which is okay. I just don't. Mm-hmm. I just don't want him to feel that pressure from Emily or me. <laughs> I thought that for sure we'd have our kids in sports like as soon as you possibly can, and it just turned out that Tommy wasn't ready for it, yeah. and so he's four and a half, and we haven't put him in you know little league or anything like that yet. Um, but I definitely thought that by the time he was three, we'd already have him out there picking grass in the outfield. But yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to adjust as they their personalities develop. Yeah. Yeah. So secretly, I guess not too secretly since this is a podcast, but <laughs> Emily and I hope he wants to play basketball. We love mm-hmm. basketball. I mean, like I, she was a college basketball player. Um, she's much better than I am, too. But we, we love it. And if he loves it, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. But if not, we'll be fine. Yeah. Again, I, managing I hope, expectations. Yeah. I hope at least we'll be fine. That's awesome. My prayer is that we'll be fine with yeah. that. <laughs> Just as long as it's not soccer, because that's not really a sport. And listening. <laughs> Just kidding, everyone. <laughs> Um, so did, did your relationship with God change after, after becoming a father? Yes. Yes, it did. Um, and I, the, the, the standard thing here that I hear a lot of people say is like, oh, it opened up my capacity to love and it gave me a reflection of God's love, which is all true. Mm -hmm. But I feel like people have heard that. And there's another way that my relationship with God has changed that I, that nobody prepared me for. Seeing my son and just how vulnerable he is, it has heightened for me the awareness of how vulnerable we all are. Mm-hmm. And I have this son that God has placed into my care for a season, and I want to protect him from everything, and I want to make everything fine, and I know that I can't do that. And that has... It has pushed me to a level of vulnerability with God, and it's also pushed me to a level of, I don't want to say frustration, Mm. 
but a level of maybe frustration is the right word. Just this feeling of like God, why are we so vulnerable? Mm-hmm. Um, why can't I protect Him? Why? Just wrestling with those feelings. It's been a wrestling with God. Um, it's almost like a God. If you don't protect Him, you you better watch out. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's powerful. Yeah. It's it's my biggest worry as a mother of something just terrible happening, especially those first few postpartum months when they're so little and they're just helpless. Yeah. And it's terrifying, right? Laying them down in their crib and not knowing what's going to happen. And I felt that deeply and would just sit in the rocking chair and pray like, yeah. please, God, have him wake up in an hour to eat. That That's powerful. Being that vulnerable and realizing that also we are that vulnerable from yeah. God's perspective. And yeah, and it, it, it ultimately pushes me to a place of... I can't do anything but trust God mm-hmm. with my son. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can't protect him from everything in the world. No matter how hard I try, I can't. And that's just not realistic. At the end of the day, we get this season where we get to watch over our children and care for them. And then they're, then they're God's. Right. Um, so I try to... I try to have a healthy perspective about that, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that it, it, it creates some tension for me with, with God, which yeah. I think is healthy. And, you know, you read the Psalms, you see that tension and you read Moses's interactions with God and you see that tension. So. Well, and that's a real yeah. relationship, right? Exactly. When you have a real relationship. There's always going to be some sort of tension. Exactly. Um, and it's, it's scary. It's yeah. scary being a new parent. And it's most, one of the most terrifying things I've ever done in my life. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Me too. You just know at some point you are going to say goodbye to each other. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, pray that we've done good enough jobs as parents that yeah. they will be followers of God. And Yeah. So it's given me so, – so being a parent has given me a lot more humility, a, a mm. deeper awareness of my own boundaries and has really hit home for me just how little control I have over anything. Right. So – and all of that has forced me to a place of tension, but then through the tension to a place of deeper trust in God. That's wonderful. So, I love that. Yeah. Um, so you're a self-proclaimed Bible nerd. Uh, you've said it several times. Yes. Uh, has your perspective <laughs> changed reading the Bible now that you've become a father? Yes, it has. It's made me realize the Bible's pretty challenging mm-hmm. um, and pretty tough. For for instance, I, th- I think of stories like Noah's Ark where it's like, oh, so cute. The animals all going up in two by two. Oh, look at that. They're all together. Oh, they're saved. Well, what about all the animals that drown? Right. I <laughs> like, totally agree. The whole, the whole world is destroyed. And how do you explain that to a kid? I know. And you read the stories of like King David and we have these sanitized versions of them. But then you read what it actually says and you're like, is this person really a hero that I'm supposed to – have my child look to as a positive example? Is that actually how he's portrayed in scripture? And so it hasn't, I don't know if it's changed my view of the actual Bible. Mm -hmm. It's changed my view of the sanitized version of the Bible. And it's made me wonder, do, do we feel like there's a problem with the Bible that we have to clean it all up? And that we can't present it with the messiness that it is. and That's what you mean by sanitized? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That, that we take all of the objectionable stuff out of the Bible and then teach it to our kids. And then when they're 
in high school or college, they go back and they read it and they're like, this isn't the Bible that was taught to me. Right. So I don't think it's like, like I said, I don't think it's changed my view of the Bible, but it has changed my view of the way that we present the Bible to, mm. to kids. So that's one way that my view of the Bible has changed. The The Bible is what it is. I, 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 I There's some things in there that maybe we should be careful navigating with kids, but to give them a version of the Bible that is just not what is there, I think it sets sets uh, teenagers up down the road hmm. for some real disappointment. Not not taking pieces of the Bible and fitting it to what we want, but it's a really messy book with incredibly flawed, and that's a very generous description, human beings. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that I can present it to JD in that way and, and highlight for him, none of these people except for Jesus are heroes. Right. These are not heroes in the way we think of heroes. These are human beings who need to rely on God and human beings that are failed and flawed that God worked through and they made a ton of mistakes. But the point here isn't that they were great. The point is that God was faithful to them in the midst of all their mistakes. Hmm. And what advice would you have for parents who want to be the spiritual leader of their families? Yeah. So this is a question I have a lot of thoughts on. Okay. Let's (laughs) dig into it. Let's unpack it. Yeah. So... Spiritual leader, mm-hmm. that's a term that for me carries a lot of baggage. The idea of a spiritual leader has had a bunch of concepts imported into it that I think are more from culture than they are from the Bible mm. and, and what the Bible's talking about. And I'm not even sure that the term spiritual leader is particularly biblical. Okay. Um, just that it de- it's debatable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see how people can get there, but but it is debatable that that's even uh, the term itself. Mm. But a lot of the model of it, I don't think is very biblical. So I, I remember a few years ago, I had a very well-meaning friend take me aside and tell me that I needed to read a book called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge and that this was going to help me be a biblical man. Um, and then he described the book to me and it basically sounded like it was, you know, William being William Wallace from Braveheart or something. And that like a man's born to go into adventure and to be wild. And I remember thinking that and he, he meant well, but I just thought, nah, mm. I'm good. <laughs> um, because, not going to paint your face blue. Yeah, because that just isn't me. Mm-hmm. And what, what concerns me about the idea of a spiritual leader and for a lot of men this concept of spiritual leader is it has more to do with being macho mm. and what culture defines as masculine than it does at actually being the type of leader that Jesus wants us to be. Mm-hmm. For Emily and me, she's probably the one who's more wild at heart than I am. She wants to go on more adventures than I do. She wants to do hikes and go outside. And honestly, I just kind of want to stay home and bake usually. Yeah. That's that's how I relieve stress. And it, it works for us to be more equals than not in our marriage. And I have found that the best way that, that I can lead um, in my family is by, in, in numerous areas, accepting Emily's leadership and recognizing mm-hmm. that she has gifts that I don't. She's better at certain things than I am, um, that I jump to conclusions too quickly I I would rather, rather than being a spiritual leader as we think of that, my advice would be to look to Jesus's humility 
and to have that be what guides you in your leadership of your family. And that's for, for male, female, um, very, just very practically. If this is something somebody's really interested in, I would, I would recommend for, for one month, try to read Matthew 5 through 7 every day. That's the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's pretty famous. You know, you could wake up in the morning, Matthew 5, at lunchtime, Matthew 6, dinner time, Matthew 7, or bedtime, Matthew 7. Just do those chapters. I mean, we're not talking about a novel here. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, you know, a few verses, you could do it. But read that for a month. And, and after each every day, just pray like, Jesus, have your humility take over how I interact with my family. Mm. And try that for a month and see what type of uh, leader or even just participant in your family you become. Hmm. That to me is much more biblical than a lot of the ideas that we get about spiritual leaders and especially all the stuff about how the man has to be the leader. Sure. What we knew, what we normally mean when people say that is that the man has to be in control. He has to have the answers. I don't, I don't have all the answers here. I, I, I'm, I'm learning as I go along. Right. And I married somebody intentionally who is better than me at a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just works better. So that would be my advice in terms of being a spiritual leader is first off, ask yourself, what do you mean when you s- say spiritual leader? When you hear that, that phrase, what does that actually mean concretely? Mm-hmm. How much of what it means is actually from scripture and how much of it is just from culture that teaches a lot of, especially guys that... Being a leader means being powerful or being in control, mm-hmm. which is just not the model Jesus gives us. That's great advice. And I want to just go back because you've mentioned it a couple of times, your partnership without Emily. I'm a really big proponent of marriages really being, you know, the fundamental piece of parenting. And if you have a strong marriage, then you're going to be strong parents. Yeah. And, the you know, the better you communicate with your partner, the better that you can, you know, model an appropriate relationship with your with your children as well. So I just wanted to point that out and yeah. you had mentioned it a couple of times. So Yeah, and, and that's that was a big thing for Emily and me. Mm-hmm. When we got married, we both said that we wanted to have kids. But we also both said that if that didn't happen for us, we would be okay. Mm-hmm. And that the the foundation was our relationship mm-hmm. for whoever God brings into our family. So we're, 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 we're grateful that we have JD, um, but it's Emily and I have just always said that our relationship is what's going to really be the foundation for this family. That's wonderful. When God brings two unique people together, it's less about trying to fit some sort of mold onto that marriage or that family. Mm-hmm. And it's more about figuring out who has God created the two of you and why has God brought you two together mm-hmm. and what is God doing in the midst of that? Well, this has been great. I have a little bit of a surprise for you um, to wrap up. We are, I know, sorry. (laughs) Did we we forget who the senior pastor is? I know. (laughs) It's it's Miss Stephanie's podcast, though. All right. I'm on on your turf. (laughs) All right. So we're all still getting to know you, right? And in COVID, that's been a little bit hard. So we're just going to do a few rapid fire questions here. Okay. Uh, they're silly, they're fun, but we're just trying to get to know you a little bit more. All right. So I'm going to list off things. Some of them are this or that, and then others are just like favorites. Okay. All right. You ready? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. I'm nervous though. No, it's going to be great. (laughs) They're easy. All right. Texting or talking? Talking. 
Dogs or cats? Cats. Cake or pie? Pie. Coffee or tea? Tea. Scary movie or comedy? Comedy. Invisibility or super strength? Invisibility. Music or podcasts? Podcasts. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars, sadly. <laughs> I always wanted to get into Star Trek, but I just can't. I'm just can't I, do like, it. I'm a nerd in some ways, but that's even too far for me. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry, yeah, Trekkies. Live long and prosper, Trekkies. Yes, we love you. Um, dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Milk chocolate. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. <laughs> Infamously stays up late. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pool or beach? Beach. Hawaii or Alaska? Hawaii. Yeah, I agree. As you can tell, I'm pretty opinionated about these. Huh? Some people want to like go to Alaska on trips, and I'm like, <laughs> for some how reason, is that fun? for some reason, that question just felt offensive to me. <laughs> like, I don't know. Some why. of them, you are taking offense. I wish I had marked them all so that we could go back. <laughs> um, favorite food. Favorite food, uh, gumbo. Okay. Favorite sport. Basketball. Favorite band. Can I do band or can I do like one musician? Sure. Act? One musician works too. Robert Johnson. Oh, I don't know who that is. Old blues guitarist from the 1930s and 40s. It's old country blues, just one man and a guitar. That's my kind of music too. The, yes. The way music is supposed to be done. Yeah. Um, and the last one, this one might be hard for you. Favorite book. Ooh. The Bible. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, no, I'll, I'll give okay, I'll give a different okay. answer. I almost put comma not the Bible. <laughs> I'll give a different answer. I'll okay. give a different answer. Favorite book? Is this like the book that I would hand to somebody if somebody asked me for a recommendation, mm. or is this like I'm on a desert island? Desert island, the one that you're going to reread over and over again. There is a novel that comes to mind called Let the Great World Spin by Colin McCann. For some reason, it's really just stuck with me. In the 1970s, there was a man named Philippe de Lapite, something like that, French guy, who strung a, a tightrope between the Twin Towers um, in the World, the World Trade Center Towers. Mm -hmm. And then he tightrope walked across them. It, it's just this incredible event. There was a documentary after this novel came out on it as well. And then there was a movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt that highlighted yes, this as well. That's what I'm remembering. Yeah. Um, and this novel takes that event and then just tracks the lives of different people living in New York City and uses that event and them watching that event to just kind of pull them together. Mm. And it's just all about living life here on, on earth. So it's not a Christian novel, but it was just one that really affected me and, and gave me a sense of common humanity. Mm-hmm. Community. Yeah. Community, but then also the way community is fractured. Because hmm. cause like, even though we see the same things, we've got these different perspectives. Right. So that was, that was a book that when you asked the question, it came to mind for me. That's awesome. So that's one. But then I do want to give a Christian one. Okay. Um, a book that it's – there's like one half of it that was really, really uh, – uh, really affected me. Um, then the other half of it, I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> but N.T. Wright, Surprised by Hope. Okay. Um, that was a pretty important book for me in my faith journey because it really centered me on the resurrection of Jesus. Mm. 
and help me see that a lot of the other stuff in Christian faith that we talk about is not as central as as popular Christianity makes it. Hmm. And that really at the center of our faith is the resurrection. So I remember that book being one that I was like, it really clarified some things I'd been feeling about following Jesus and what was actually the foundation of the faith. Awesome. Can you repeat both titles for those books for yeah, us? Yeah. Um, let the Great World Spin. So Let the Great World Spin is the one that if I'm on a desert island, I'd probably... Sure. Read. Well, yeah, I probably... Well, I get the Bible too. Well, the Bible's yeah. there. But yeah. yeah. Um, but that's the one I'd want on a desert island. The one that if somebody's really wondering about faith... Mm. I like. I wish I could. I wish I could recommend the ideas in N.T. Wright's book without the writing style. Okay. Because he's long and he's wordy, and his sentences go on for too long. Um, and there's a lot of stuff, like I said, that I don't think you actually need to read. But the core idea was really helpful for me mm-hmm. and surprised by hope. Surprised by hope. That's yeah. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pastor John. It was wonderful having you here today. Of we appreciate it, and okay. um, thank you so much for listening, everyone. 